Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Ah, I said it this morning, but I'm going to stay here. You guys are amazing. How many know we're actually just one of your extension services in New Zealand. That's all we are. And uh, God is good. And if you're visiting for the first time, thanks for being here. So cool. And you are welcome to come to New Zealand. New Zealand is actually the Garden of Eden. Did you know in New Zealand there are no snakes? So we've got no Belzebubs, no serpents there. We've got no, we've got no poisonous spiders. So, you know, if you're really listening to God, you'll hire a few A380s and all come over and just come over and say hi to New Zealand. How many believe that would be a good move by your pastor? How many believe if your pastor was generous, he would organise that and... Hey, Jan, 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 where are you going? Come on, mate, I didn't ask you to leave. How many know if the keys aren't playing, the anointing's lifting? We've got to pray first, bro. We've got to pray. Come on, keep going. You all right? Wait for it. Oh. You know, I've been saying all day, I, I'm one of those people. I've been in church my whole life. But I've never got tired of the presence of God. You need a miracle tonight, just lift both hands. Somebody in your world needs a miracle. Let's just believe God. Father, we thank You for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank You that Jesus died, He rose again so that we would not just know You, but that You would live with us. And Lord, we pray right now that there will be again a touch of heaven as there's already been on the worship and in this service. We take a moment just to honour those we're standing next to and we just pray Your blessing all over them. And Lord, we just thank You. I pray that You'll empower me one more time just to bring what's on Your heart, that we'll walk out here with more understanding and more breakthrough in the Name of Jesus. Lord, we pray. For our dear pastors, we pray, God, that You would bless pastors Aaron and Katie, that, God, You'll continue to supply everything they need, that they'll continue to see the wonder of the grace of God. Take us as a church into new levels in the Name of Jesus. Amen. All right, give someone a high five. Thanks, Jen. You can go now, man. Appreciate it. So good. Well, it's an honour for Marie and I to be here. Definitely is. Uh, and uh, we feel so much a part of this church already. We've only been here today, but the Spirit is the same. And uh, how many know the, the, the body of Christ is global, but it has different types of expressions, and we feel so much at home. Uh, I, I mentioned this morning, I found another of these 10 books in my hotel room. So if you missed out this morning, I, I just touched on the whole thought of uh, failure this morning that many of us don't understand failure is a necessary part of our future. If we don't fail, we're not gonna find significance. And uh, seriously, if you're not stretching to fail and learn from that failure, you're not gonna have what you're praying for. So uh, there's a few of those. If you wanna have a look at that, grab one of those. And then tonight I wanna touch on something that has become a revelation to me over recent years. I wrote this just a couple of years ago called God, Money and Me. And uh, it is really my journey. Having been in church, I never understood that I was missing some of the key ingredients to breaking through financial. And if you're here tonight, you might go, well, I don't like churches that talk about money. And I basically say when I'm teaching on money, no, the problem with church is we're not talking and teaching about money. We're teaching on giving. And we need to understand that God is a God that wants us to have significant breakthrough 
in every part of our lives. And you can be in church every week and yet never find the answer to breakthrough financially. And so tonight I want to touch on four things I wish I had known about money. I wish that I had been taught this and whether you get upset with me tonight or not, it doesn't matter, I'm leaving in the morning. (laughs) And pastor can fix it all up in the next few weeks. But you need, I need to have an understanding of what will break through. There was an account I read of a couple, they were an older couple, but Henrietta married Herman. And Henrietta had a whole lot of money and so they got into marriage and they were married for a long time and finally they built this, or yeah, built this mansion and uh, there was no furniture yet, but they went over to it, it all finished. They walked through every room and Henrietta said to Herman, her husband, she said, uh, Herman, you realise that if it wasn't for my money, uh, we wouldn't be here. He just nodded in agreement and later on in the day, the truck turned up with all the new furniture and pointed to every room and they went for another tour and Henrietta was leading the charge at the end of the tour. It looked beautiful. She said to Herman, Herman, you realise again, don't you, that if it wasn't for my money, you wouldn't be here. At the end of the day, they'd finished the TV room and the big, big TV had come in, put on the wall. She said, sit down, Herman. Let's have a look. And they turned the TV on. It worked brilliantly. And she said, uh, if it wasn't for my money, we wouldn't have this room. And, and Henry kind of looked at her and said, honey, I've been wanting to say this and I don't know how to say it. I don't want to make you feel bad, but if it wasn't for your money, I wouldn't be here. Come on, don't be too righteous tonight. Would you work where you work if money was not an issue? Would you live how you're living? You better say that if you're on the front row. Would you live how you live if money wasn't an issue? Would you be doing more with your life if you had broken through significantly with the areas of money? People say, yeah, but money's bad. I, I do a whole section in the book about money myths. Money's not bad, it's the love of money. Because you need to realise that money doesn't change us, it unmasks us. So therefore, If you don't have character, when money comes, it will corrupt you. If you have character, when money comes, you become an answer to a world in need. You become an agent of change and the church has lived too long with great Sunday services, but not a breakthrough in money. I did a study in the Bible. There are 10 times more money, uh, more verses rather on money, stewardship and finances than salvation and faith. In my reading of Scripture, 215 Scriptures pertaining to faith, 218 Scriptures on salvation, 2,084 on stewardship of money. And yet we don't teach it in the church and we come to church praying for a breakthrough and we don't realise that God has got a pathway for financial breakthrough. Andre Dumas said this, it is, money is a great servant but a bad master. So if we could break through in this area and you might go, well, I don't need teaching on money. I've got lots of money. Yeah, the question is, does money have you or do you have it? And if you're struggling, you're in debt. Say, well, I'm just a student and I haven't broken through and I don't know. Tonight, I pray you go away going, there is an answer for me. My dad came from Holland, 21 year old to New Zealand, 25 US dollars in his pocket. He ended up finding mum who was also Dutch. They got married. There were eight kids of us, four boys, four girls. Not much TV back in those days. So eight children. 
And he worked hard, started his own business. And uh, he said to me my whole life, even up until he died, he said, Paul, I started with nothing. It did me good. It'll do you good. Sounds good, but it's not biblical. Because we've got to start again and again in every generation. Because the enemy knows that if we break through in finances, we are able to achieve a whole lot more of kingdom activity. Stay with me. If you're praying, if you're praying for God to give you money, it's not a good prayer. Because if God actually does give you money, there'll be no human serial numbers on it and it'll be worth nothing. Money has to come through a human vehicle. And so the enemy doesn't want us to get a, a, a wide view understanding of money. And so I wanna give you these four things I didn't understand. The first one is God's design is financial freedom. So if money is still dictating how I live and what I do, then I've still got a long way to go. That we need to live beyond the control of money. You would have heard this. Money says to vision, I can release you. Money says to need, I can help you. Our church next year is going to be in a position to do, as I said this morning, $20 million worth of community work. Well, let's talk to the people that are in need. It's like, well, God loves you. No, 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 we love you. God's love is showing through us because unless we clothe them, unless we feed them, unless we help them in their dire strait, then I'm not sure we're bringing the gospel. By your good works, men will glorify your faith. Not by your good words. Come on, I'm going there because I'm out tomorrow morning. It's kind of like... And the enemy is just like, well, you don't need to break through. No, listen to this. Money says to debt, I can free you. Here's a big one. Money says to time, I can direct you. I wonder how much of our time is directed by the need of money. So Marie and I had been married for 15 years, brought up in the church. We have, I, I, I was tithing before I was five. I can never remember. I'm 35 now. I can never remember. That's not fair. I'm 60 now and I can never remember having any increase where I haven't tithed on. Then I was taught to sow. But I got to 15 years of marriage at the age 38. We didn't have a cent. Why? Because we were giving everything to other people's need. And I began to cry out and said, God, there's something wrong in this equation. It's like a cake. I've got some of the ingredients, but it's not rising. How are you going to help me with this? And God took me to this verse, 2 Corinthians 9.8. God is able. Everyone say, God is able. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That's not just grace for salvation. All grace abound towards you that you always, not some of the time, having all sufficiency in all things will have an abundance for every good work. So you might say, I'm a millionaire. I don't need this message. Have you got an abundance for every good work? Not just Christian work, not just your church work. Everywhere you go, you see a good work, say, I can help. Now, this is normal Christian living, but we're not even there. So this is the way I look at life. If it's not working, I'm going back to God and saying, God, we've missed something. All grace abound towards you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things. That word sufficiency, by the way, in the original is a perfect state of living in which there is no aid or support needed. In other words, you don't have to go to work because you're already set up. You go to work because you're called. Not because you have to pay the bills or you one day want to have your own house. No, there is something that's already taken place 
So I began to go, God, something has to change. God, you've got to show me what I need to know. And so I came to this point as I was looking at that verse. This is not for one Christian. This is not for super Christian. This is not for someone else. This is for me. Paul, God is able to make all grace abound toward Paul. That Paul, always having all sufficiency in all things, will have an abundance for every good work. So when the devil says, you, you shouldn't hear talk about money, you go, no, 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 God's plan. Some of us have to go home tonight, write this out, put it all over the house and begin to say, I'm not there yet, but God, you've got a pathway to me. So God's design is financial freedom because then you can direct your life and money does not. Number two, we are to invest into future generations. As I said, my dad said, you know, I started with nothing. You start with nothing. No, that's not what the Bible says because Proverbs 13, 22, a good man. A good woman leaves an inheritance for their children's children, their grandchildren. The wealth of the sinner, by the way, is laid up for the righteous. We can access so much more when we begin to live a generational thinking. People say, well, money doesn't grow on trees. Hear me tonight. Money grows on generational trees. And so we haven't understood that actually we are here to set our children and our children's children so they don't have to repeat the start. But they're gonna grow because the Kingdom of God has made a way that with finding a foundation in a generational understanding. Our church responded, one of the best sermons I ever preached was don't give all your money away. Another sermon I preached was 13 reasons how you can tithe and not be financially blessed. Come on, you're getting quiet on me here. Even pastor's getting quiet on me right now. It's not that we don't tithe. Tithe is one of the main ingredients, but there's more than just tithing. So I'm telling you, God doesn't want you to give all your money away. God wants you to live a principled life that is generationally based, that you can see yourself through. In fact, it goes on after verse 22, a good man leaves an inheritance. Verse 23, much food is in the fallow ground of the poor for lack of justice or ordinance, divine order, there is waste. And God's going, you just got to realise you've got a lot more potential than you could ever imagine, but you've got to till the ground of your life. You're going to change the soil. It's the seeds, not the problem, the soil is. Wow. Oh, I just need more soil. Soil, a seed. No, you don't. You just need better soil. Anyway, that's another whole subject. Let's not go down there. And I just want to encourage you today that God wants us to begin to live generationally. God wants us to look after the third, sowing and reaping, collaborate. All right, let's go there. How much emphasis do we have on reaping in the church? All I was taught my whole life in church, great church, sow. If you sow, you will reap. In fact, you go to Genesis 8.22 after the flood, God says to Noah, remember this, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, These, as long as the earth goes on, these laws will never change. The divine, irrevocable laws. And then you go on and you read in Galatians 6 verse 7, but do not be deceived. God is not mocked, hear it. Whatever a man, woman sows, here are the words, 
that he will also reap. So I spent my whole Christian life sowing, expecting harvest to come. And I began to think and thinking, God, I'm looking for answers because I want to live at 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And it's like, well, think about it, Paul. What's that? Farmer. Yeah. Farmers work harder in the harvest than in the time of sowing seed. And if you're a smart farmer, when you have a harvest, you're going to keep some of that harvest to increase your potential for the next year. You're not going to give it all away. It's like pastor's been praying for money for a building and a farmer comes in and says, wow, I just had this crop and here it is. I'm going to give it all. Wow, that's a miracle. You know, today I would say to that farmer, don't you dare give all of that. Not unless God has told you sovereignly because you want to build your future generations. So therefore, we've got to look and say there are two laws, not just one. It's not just the law of sowing. It's the law of sowing and reaping. So therefore, I've got to look at when I have increased that I am sowing, but I'm also reaping for the future. Do not be deceived. Don't go astray. Don't be seduced. Don't wonder. Whatever a man sows, goes and cuts down in the crop is going to be the beginning of a transformation. Are you getting something out of this? So it's kind of like, okay, so I've got to realise these three things. God's design is financial freedom. We are to invest in future generations and then sowing and reaping collaborate. Here's the fourth thing, and I want to spend most of my time on this. Financial freedom requires principled faith. In other words, I've got to come to a point where I'm going to align my life to do it God's way. Uh, well, one of the prayer requests today in the prayer request is that we would pay, pray that there would be financial breakthrough. We'll, we'll pray for that. But our prayer means, God, would you change the individual to understand that the answer is not in a prayer, but they would understand your way of breaking this curse that's been on their life and breaking what's been there for generations. Why? Because financial freedom, hear it, is not an altar call. I said that this morning about something else. It's about principle faith. Doesn't mean God can't speak to you and say, I want you to do something. It's just absurd. And you know God's spoken, you do it. But this is what I've discovered. There are times where God says, thus saith the Lord. And when God is not speaking clearly, that is birthed in faith. You need faith to live principally. So you say, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. You just live the principles, but it's going to take faith to live those principles. So I'm going to give you the four principles. And I'd like you to think about, am I living that or what is it that I'm missing? The first one is stewarding. I think you've heard that here and I love what the Bible says. In fact, people go, well, Paul, I don't believe in tithing. And I go, why don't you believe in tithing? They said, because it's an, it's a, a, an Old Testament law. I go, no, it's not. It was in the Old Testament law. It's not an Old Testament law. Happened before then in Matthew 23, 23. Jesus brings it up and says, you should not stop doing what you do when it comes to the tithe. But you need more than just the tithe. You need a change that works from the inside out. And when you begin to understand that, there's so much hot debate around this thought of stewarding. Let's go to Malachi 3.6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. <laughs> Let's just stop there. Oh, well, I don't believe in tithing. I am the Lord, I do not change. Let me say one more time. I am the Lord, 
so you know what I'm talking about. That I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your father, you've gone away from my ordinances. Ordinance is different to law. It's a specific decree. It's a command. And you have not kept them. Then it says in verse 7, listen to the context. It's in the first person. Don't do what I say as a law. Return to me. And I will return to you, verse 7. If you return to me, I will return to you. And the thought was, in what way shall we return in your tithe and in your offering? When you go back to the beginning, Adam and Eve, they were guilty of sin and they were removed from the garden. The reason was, is they weren't prepared to put God sovereign. And I've discovered that the first tenth or the first part of our increase, which is a tenth, is not mine, it's His. It's not a payment I make, it's putting Him sovereign. I'm stewarding what belongs to Him. And God says, when you steward what belongs to me, you release me to be a part of the rest. When you don't bring the first tenth, and that's not just your salary, you get an inheritance. You buy a house for 200, you sell it for 300. There's an increase of 100. The first tenth comes to God, not the second tenth, not the third tenth. You put it aside and you say, no, this is who you are. Return to me and I'll return to you. You will empower me to begin to move in your life. I found that throughout the Bible, something I never knew, increase attracts one of two spirits. Every time you increase, there is one of two spirit attachments that come. In fact, Luke 16 and verse 13, no one can serve two masters because you'll end up hating the one and loving the other. You can't be, you will either be loyal to one or despise the other. Get this, you cannot emphatically serve God in mammon. Yeah, but I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, doesn't matter. You cannot serve God in mammon. Let me say it again, you cannot serve God. Well, what's mammon? Mammon is unsurrendered increase that is empowered to draw you away. Oh, I, I'm, a, I'm a money person, I've got a lot of money and I give to the church. It's not about giving to the church, it's about who is sovereign over your increase. The devil doesn't want God to stay in the place of sovereignty. So as you give, if you're not tithing and returning the first tenth, the enemy has the right to attach mammon to your increase. And so now money is still directing your future, making your decisions. That's why you don't really get planted. That's why you don't really, you wanna be in the state of control and this may upset you, but in the end, it's gonna free you and the generations to follow if you realise that the first tenth is not what we negotiate on. It's not according to circumstance. It's according to stewarding and positioning sovereignty over. Aren't you thankful I'm not your pastor? Every time you increase, every time, mammon's hovering. If you don't return to what belongs God, you're making a decision not to put him sovereign over the increase. And that increase carries a spirit of mammon. Is it that big a deal? Let's go on to verse 11 of the same chapter, Luke 16, 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who would... Commit to your trust true riches. What's a true rich? True riches is eternal value things. 
God, we need more supernatural breakthrough. We need more healings. We we need things that are of the eternity of the kingdom. We, we pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I think most of us don't realize that money is God's testing ground. For this is the Bible, true riches. Oh, I've studied and God's looking at what are you doing with your money? Because money is going to rule you or it's going to release you. Come on, stewarding. So the first ingredient is stewarding. The second ingredient is seeding. Oh, well, I tithe, yeah. Malachi 3, if you want to study it, says you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. When was the last time you considered what percentage of your life is seeding? Seeding is what creates harvest. Stewarding is what releases God's authority. And so therefore, we need to be people that understand what it is to sow. For Marie and I, we were giving... Uh, I think we were seeding 37% at the time of 15 years married when we had nothing. We just loved to give. So I had no problem with stewarding. I had always done that. And seeding I had understood because I was always taught that seeding was the right thing to do. And it was what God wanted me to do. A.W. Tozer put it like this. Money can become an everlasting treasure. The moment it is given to Christ, it is immediately touched with immortality. And this is the thought is, Some things are beyond your control, but harvest is not one of them. Your seed determines your harvest. Well, I've come to Radiant Church and, you know, nobody talked to me. Well, we'll do everything we can to be a friendly church. But if you read your Bible, the reason they didn't talk to you is because you didn't deposit any friendly seeds. A man who shows himself friendly will have many friends. Well, I'm just going to sit back and see what the worship... No, 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 you, you bring worship seeds. To build a marriage, you bring marriage seeds. To build a business, you bring business seeds. Well, obviously, we want to develop and grow and be better at what we do, but my life is not defined by what's around me. It's defined by the seeds in my hand. And whatever I want to change, it's like, well, I want, I want a positive life. Well, then stop sowing negative seeds. Stop... Doubting yourself. Stop living under condemnation tonight. Pray a prayer and say, God, I'm going to give all of my stuff to you and I'm going to get up and I'm going to live again. You, you've got to understand that stewarding and seeding are two or half, the two quarters of the equation. If we're going to cook, it's one thing to have some of the ingredients, just don't miss some of them. Because you can have normal flour when you need self-raising flour and you'll never be a great baker. All right, stewarding, saving. Here's the one I never understood, saving. Mm. It's like, wow. <laughs> we got nothing to save. What do you mean saving? Well, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And we've got to learn to live generationally. So Paul, you're going to have a component where you are putting things that are going to go generationally. It's like, okay, Psalm 145, verse 3, Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Here it is. One generation shall praise your works to another. In other words, we're going to declare God's goodness in what we've received generationally. And I didn't understand that God was wanting us to put things aside so that saving, this is what happens. You put a portion aside. And that portion that you put aside goes to pay off your debt if you're in debt. So you're beginning to build yourself out of a hole. That portion then goes into your house. 
It's not a holiday. It's not a new car. It's going into your house and that house is going to go generationally. So you can enjoy it while you're here, but you're building something that has a growing echo in the generation. Yeah, but Paul, I can't afford it. You know the widow's mite. How many know that story? Widow's mite, she brought two copper coins. I'm not saying she did the wrong thing, but maybe she was only taught to sow. But God honoured her for doing it. Had she taken those two copper coins, the equivalent of 80 cents, and she invested that in the bank at 4% compounding. It's 1987 years ago when I did the exam was when she did it. When I calculated what that would come to, you know what that 80 cents would have happened had she gone generational up until our day and age? Here it is on the screen. Oh, I thought it might have been a million dollars. No, it's not a million. It's 5.6 decillion dollars. You say, what do you mean decillion? I've never heard about it. I did a calculation. All of governmental and global debt, all of it. That 80 cents had gone generational, would have paid off all of that debt to the power of 17 zeros, not 17 times. And the enemy is saying, don't you dare save. You can't afford to save because he knows if we have a generational view, we're gonna break the curse that's been on the church and upon the children and upon the restrictions of the kingdom because we are here to create a generational. Man, I wish I knew that. I wish my granddad knew that. We've got three grandkids. When I began to understand that it's not just stewarding, it is. It's saving and it's, sorry, spend, uh, seeding and it's saving. We start an account for our three grandkids. We've got a six-year-old, a four-year-old and a nearly two-year-old. They don't know it yet, but they've got three accounts with their names on it. Every time we get paid, something goes in that. When they get married or when they turn 25, we're gonna turn up and say, hey, we've been saving something for you. Not only will they have that, they'll have stuff that equity in the house. I mean, we're going to be the best grandparents once we're dead. I've got to wrap this up. How many want to stay the whole night and we just do more teaching on it? Like? No, but look, so it goes in every week and it's compounding interest. When they get it, it's like this. If we're dead, it will be in the will. If not, we'll tell them. This is not to pay for your wedding. This is not to pay for your honeymoon. This is to go into your house and to go generational. You can enjoy it while you're here, but it's going to go to the generations. And if you embrace the principle, it's going to change everything. The final one is spending. Oh, I got that one down, Pastor. No, you have to learn. Like we all have to learn to live within our means. I need the keys. Come on because this is going to get a little quiet in here. <laughs> I believe that right now, this is how I'd look at it. If God says the first tenth belongs to me, I think there's something about that tenth. I would encourage you to work towards, I think we've got a picture of it on the screen, just those four containers, that we wouldn't just live with the first tenth, but we would live the 10, 10, 10, 70 principle if we have it. That we would build towards the first tenth as God, then let's work towards a place where we could seed 10%. And then we could save 10%. And that means we would live on 70%.
You say, well, I couldn't live on 70%. We're talking about spending. Well, then why wouldn't you go and study, get a better job? Why wouldn't you turn social media off unless it is your job? And work two jobs for a while so you can get this into order. Kids in our church have got four containers next to their bed with little stick-ons. When they get 10 bucks a week or 10 bucks a month, first one, that's God's. I bring that to his house. It's not for missionaries. It's for the house. God's primary expression of his kingdom of earth. Second tenth, I seed wherever I feel led to. I can help my friends at school who don't have lunch. I can do whatever I feel to do in that. I'm going to seed the kingdom. The third tenth, that's going to the generations that follow me. That's going to help me get a house. And I've got seven to spend. Come on, some of you are going, I could never get there. We'll start somewhere. Why don't you start at 10 to 2, 86? You've got to match your seeding and your saving together. And as you match that together, you find a platform of breaking through. Then go to 10, 5, 5, 80. Then 10, 10, 10, 70. Marie and I right now are at 10, 20, 20, 50. So 20 seed and 20 we're saving to get ahead because we didn't start like this. So the generations are going to stand. Say 2 Corinthians 9, 8 works for me because we went generationally. Come on, I'm challenging you. Don't allow what you want now. Oh, we have to buy all these appliances. We just got married. No, I was the washing machine for the first six months. We filled the bath up. We couldn't even afford the right kind of washing powder. We just used soap. My big feet, I was in. Marie just said, if you want to stay married to me, you keep going. So I kept going. We would stand on the end of jeans and go the opposite way to wring them out, seriously, until we had enough money to buy a secondhand washing machine. Oh, I need that new car. No, you don't. You don't invest unless you've got cash in any depreciating asset. Come on, it's all in the book. You're going to have to change the way that you view and then God's going to bless you. And you're not going to be ruled by money, but you're going to be in a place where you're going to be able to do what God's called you to do. Can you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. It's not just for a few. We need to be in that people. I just want you to be encouraged tonight. You've got a father that works generational. Tonight, I hope you're encouraged and challenged to dig deeper. I think we will sell. We only got a few of these books. We're going to sell out. You can go on Amazon and get it as well. But it's not about the book. It's about I've got to find an answer to this situation in my life. But here's the bottom line. Many of us in our humanity, and maybe you're here tonight, you go, you know, I've stuffed up on God, so I don't expect God to bless me. You don't know that there's already an account that your Father's set up in heaven. It's called a grace account. It's called a love account. It's called a forgiveness account. And tonight, the greatest thrill is not teaching on money. It's praying with you and saying, just get right with God. Because addiction will tell you you'll never get through it. God says, I've already conquered it. You know, if I was really honest about the way I'm living, I'm far from God. God says, yeah, but I'm not far from you. And tonight, I want to pray for you because we don't want here at Radiant Church, we don't want at Life Church a meeting to go by where we don't help you find a new start. I'm not who I am because of what I'm doing or have done. I'm because of what He has done and who He is. Come on, every head bowed, because I want to pray for you. If you're here tonight, you've never personally encountered Jesus. This is not a religion. This is not a club. 
This is about a God that created us, designed us to live with Him. He's not a you can't God. He's a God that says, when you find me, you'll discover what works. And I'd love to pray for you tonight if you've never given your life to Jesus or tonight you're here and you say, I have prayed the sinner's prayer. I've given my life to Jesus, but I've drifted away and I'm not right with God. If that's you, we're not gonna embarrass you. I'm just gonna ask you to do something so I know who I'm praying for. Would you lift your hand and say, Paul, would you include me in a prayer? Because tonight I wanna get right with God. Hands are going up. Lift them up, lift them, lift them up. Come on, not half, just go, that's me. God, you see my hand, you see my heart. I'm responding to you and we, we love you and we believe in you. I'm gonna ask everybody to pray out loud with me. If you lifted your hand, join us. Just say, God, tonight, thank you, you've made a way that your love is unconditional. And tonight, I'm sorry for my sin. I wanna follow you. I invite you to become my Lord and Saviour. With your help, I'm gonna serve you every day of my life in the Name of Jesus. Amen. Can we give God a great hand? We love you, believe in you, amen. Oh, come on, can we honour Pastor Paul for the Word that he brought all day long? Oh, come on, we could do better than that. The man of God brought the Word. We love you. We celebrate you. We bless you. I'm telling you, can you do me a favor? This is just for me and, and just for them. Can you do me a favor? Just stretch your hands towards Pastor Paul and Marie. Let's just pray a blessing over their church. Lord, we thank you that what you've started is just the beginning of what you're gonna do at Life Church there in, in, in New Zealand. And I just pray a supernatural blessing. Lord, they, they don't know the names of the people that were here today. They, they, they might not know much about Tampa, but God, they, they've, they've invested in good ground. And I pray that it, it comes back into their church. Lord, Lord, they have a dream of $45 million paid off. Lord, these buildings paid in full by the end of 2020. I believe it's done. It'll be done. Lord, I bring you, believe you're bringing in the wealth of the, the wicked, Lord. And I pray it's into their church. Lord, people that can pay bills, that can, can see this thing happen, that they can reach more people than they've ever thought was possible. Thank you that you are turning the tide in New Zealand. And I pray a blessing over them, a blessing over their three boys, their grandchildren. And we thank you that their ministry, their best days are still in front of them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that agrees says, amen, amen, amen. All right, be seated, be seated. We're almost done. Well, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you made that decision to follow Christ today, take that connection card, check on there, you committed your life to Christ. We wanna just send you a, a, a book in the mail, something to help you along the journey. And, and we're gonna honor God with our generosity. This is that first 10% he talked about tonight. Man, I, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready to, 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 to increase in every area of my life. But this is an opportunity for us. Maybe, maybe you've never tried this before. We challenge people all the time, man, just try it. Try, try to start honoring God and watch what happens with your life when you start to honor Him with that first 10%. You do it right here in the service. Listen, it's not the, the method that you use. You give online, text giving, here in the service. It's not the method. It's, it's the motive of your heart. Saying, God, I want you to be sovereign over my finances. And I believe He'll bless you for it. Lord, bless your church right now. I thank you that because of the giving of this church, we're seeing lives transformed for eternity. It ha happened in Brandon. It's happening in St. Petersburg. It's happening all over Tampa Bay. Lord, but I pray for many of them, this is their first time or first time in a long time that they've honored you in their finances by putting you first on that increase. And I pray a blessing over them. Lord, with that check that they write, with the, the investment they made, the, the way they sew online, I pray 
right now for a blessing over their finances, their business. Lord, the promotions, jobs, bonuses that only you could do. Lord, they're gonna look back and everybody's gonna say, how in the world are you so favored? They're gonna say, it's because I started honoring God by giving them the first. Lord, let it be a testimony of your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.